Welcome to So What Sustainability, a podcast series by Apricot Consulting. I'm your host, James McHugh, one of the leaders in the corporate social impact team. In this series, we explore leading trends and provide practical advice about environmental, social and governance issues and opportunities facing business and society. Social procurement is when organisations use their buying power to generate social value above and beyond the value of goods, services or construction being procured. Social value refers to the benefits generated when social and sustainable outcomes are achieved through procurement activities. Entities purchasing from governments are required to generate social value as part of the contract terms. And so social procurement has gained a great deal of momentum in Australia over the past few years as a mechanism for creating sustainable and scalable societal change. And so today we are discussing uh, the trends around social procurement. And to help me do that, I'm joined by Warren Staples. Uh, Dr. Warren Staples is a lecturer in social procurement in the Melbourne School of Government at the University of Melbourne. Warren's research interests focus on public procurement and social procurement, specifically the application of and assessment of social procurement and value for money criteria by public sector managers on construction and infrastructure projects. Warren is presently engaged in research on corporate governance, ethical leadership, and corporate social responsibility. Warren is a regular media writer and commentator on corporate governance and business ethics and seeks to inform public debate and policy making on corporate governance reform to make organisations more accountable and responsible. So welcome, Warren. Thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, James. Let's jump into the first question, Warren. Now, tell me a little bit more about your background and your work with sustainable social procurement. So I first got involved in social procurement through my PhD studies, and I focused on government construction procurement. And I was really interested in construction because of the large dollars spent on construction projects, but also the time horizons over which they occur. And because they happen over such long periods, it means that you can do things like train apprentices because they happen in distinct locations. It means you can incorporate things like regional development policies, and you might also have small business and small enterprise related policy. When the role came up at the University of Melbourne in the School of Government, um, I was really excited to move um, there and get into the kind of meat of teaching and helping develop um, kind of capacity and know-how in the social procurement space. So, so Warren, for maybe just for our listeners that might not be as familiar with the concept of social sustainable procurements, um, can you provide us with a bit of a definition and really speak to the value that it seeks to create? Yeah, so actually, I mean, you did a very good job in the opening, James, that what we're talking about is <laughs> um, procurement that is seeking to create uh, more value than just the good service or, let's say, works infrastructure that you're acquiring. So often this is through um, what economists might have called exchange rules that determines who is involved in the production of um, a public good, service or works. 
So by getting them produced by um, social enterprises, Indigenous enterprises involving marginalised um, portions of the labour market, you then create more social value in the expenditure of public money. Now, that said, it doesn't just happen in the public sector. It's become a practice that is increasingly used by um, private sector businesses, and they often tie it to either concepts like corporate social responsibility or their what might be kind of um, ESG kind of criteria. So it, it might um, connect to a firm's um, ESG or CSR type strategy. Um, it, yeah. And, and and you've started to touch on it a little bit there, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the trends that you've seen take place over the last few years in social procurement. So I think that, um, like, whilst actually the, one of the great things I think about this area is that it's not a new concept in lots of respects, but it's kind of, um, it has new life thanks to a range of um, policy and legislative frameworks that we'll probably discuss shortly. Um, the trends are towards, obviously, infrastructure and procurement. Post-pandemic, and this is not um, this is not uncommon. Um, if you think back to the history of the kind of rebuilding post World Wars, post depression, post apartheid in South Africa, um, there were often uh, preferences given to indigenous businesses, to businesses that would train and develop people, and kind of create the next generation of um, skilled tradespeople and the like. So, um, governments have always looked to infrastructure, and I don't think this has almost ever been uh, more so, and it's, it remains a current issue. I think the other thing we've seen a fair bit of is um, lots of um, both government and private sector really just looking at their supply chains anew and thinking about all the ways that they can almost diversify their supply chains. There'd been a probably a global trend in procurement towards reducing the number of suppliers that you procured from. So you almost aggregated your purchasing power and bought from less suppliers. In effect, social procurement is probably shifting people back the other way, that we want to engage more suppliers and provide opportunities for more diverse um, supply chain participants. And this is your, your disability enterprises, your social enterprises, your Indigenous enterprises. Um, so I think that's been a bit of a, a bit of a shift in thinking. Um, and obviously there are some, um, yeah, there are some challenges there around kind of making sure you maximise the impact of, of procurement locally with perhaps trends towards um, global sourcing strategies and the like. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, Warren, that social procurement isn't just the domain of the public sector. We are seeing it in private sector as well. Yep. Um, but I know that a lot of our listeners would be looking and listening and, and, and trying to find out well, what are governments uh, what are governments looking for? We might be purchasing from government. We want to be able to put our best foot forward when it comes to the tendering process. Yep. What have you what what have you been hearing from uh, from government, state uh, commonwealth about the kind of outcomes they're looking for? 
Well, look, the um, depending on the jurisdiction in which you're procuring impacts, I guess, some of the considerations that you might be making. Mm-hmm. The, um, the two states that now have the social procurement kind of frameworks are Victoria and Western Australia. There are obviously another kind of raft of um, policy considerations that firms might make that affect them um, regardless of jurisdiction because they're federal, which is the Indigenous Procurement Policy and the um, Modern Slavery Act. In in addition to those, and I know I'm perhaps complexifying it a bit here, there are a range of other policy frameworks that have social procurement intents in uh, Queensland, um, ACT, South Australia, and, you know, it's becoming more common. So, I think when you're thinking about bidding, um, you want to look at um, who you are bidding to, what's the department, what's being done or what's being built, and you want to think about perhaps what that department has outlined as its strategies um, or the objectives that it might like to pursue. So the Victorian Social Procurement Framework has 10 objectives seven of which relate to more socially oriented criteria and then three are more sustainability and environment kind of criteria. So I think there's a little bit of understanding the clients and what they're wanting to advance on their projects. But then I think there's also thinking about the scope of a project and thinking about what you can do and deliver. Now, I kind of touched on it earlier, but what one of the nice things that this has done is it's encouraged um, corporates to kind of make their supply chains more diverse and almost take on ideas of kind of diversity and inclusion in the supply chain space. If you're a firm with a track record in that space, you know, that enables you, I think, to speak to government uh, kind of tender documents and really talk about um, what you've done, who you've partnered with and what you've achieved. So I think that um, that's the strength of the the, um, the framework is that, that it encourages you to think a bit differently about your supply chain, but also encourages firms to, in their own kind of contemporary and business as usual, to think about how they might do some of this stuff. And that, you know, the benefit of that is it helps them position themselves to bid on uh, government contracts and the like. Yeah, certainly. And you and you mentioned in that in your answer just then about you know being able to talk to who we've partnered partnered with, what yeah. we've achieved, and some of the conversation around social procurement over the last couple of years has evolved from how many jobs can we create to how do we build the capacity of the social enterprise sector of the Indigenous businesses that we are procuring from. Um, maybe yeah, and look, that's a really interesting point, right? I mean, um, if you think back to some of the original thinking around, uh, you know, stuff like Toyota's lean manufacturing and production systems that involved global purchasing, it was about strong relationships with your supply chain. It was about developing their capacity and knowledge And so the best firms and the best organisations in this space are engaged with their suppliers and do help develop their capacity and know-how. And that obviously um, benefits them as well because they, they, they benefit from enhanced capability in their supply chains. Um, 
And maybe if you can think of it kind of off the top of your head, it is a bit of a question without notice, but what have you seen the best sort of organisations who do uh, use social procurement as a as a vehicle to collaborate with their suppliers? Yep. What have they done well? What are some some tips or, or, or trends that you've seen um, that has allowed that collaboration to really build capacity? within the supply chain? Look, I, I think there's um, there's a number of kind of prospective ways of going about it. Um, I listened to a firm recently talk about their journey with um, a disability enterprise. And, you know, the manager in question um, didn't have enormous personal experience in the space himself. Um, but And this is where partnering with enterprises is often a good way to do it. Um, so, um, collaborating with a, a, a social enterprise in, in the kind of area that you want to create social value is a good way of doing it, but also building those relationships with some of the intermediaries who can help connect you and broker relationships. So whether that's, um, supply nation and Kinaway in the indigenous, um, enterprise space, whether it's social traders into the more broadly social enterprise or uh, the buyability website for um, disability enterprises, um, in addition to organisations like the Industry Capability Network who help with um, Victoria industry participation policy and the like. So there are a whole range of intermediaries whom engaging with them helps you find organisations and partners in order to do it better, and and Jobs Bank are another one in this space. Um, the next step, I think, is in um, relationships, and I think that the best firms um, engage in a conversation with the organisations they want to engage around. You know, what do you want to do, and what do you want to get out of this, and more broadly, what's the strategy for your organisation, so that they can identify spaces in which they can collaborate and help um, and potentially spaces that that are not going to involve them. But it, but it, but it kind of builds the relationship where there's a little bit of, um, I know that some people talk about shared value, a shared understanding of the value that you're trying to create and, um, and I guess a collaborative relationship and conversation. Um, and I think those relationships do drive better social procurement outcomes. Yes, certainly. And Warren, you know, you mentioned social traders in there. Social traders is talking about, you know, by 2030, they expect to see 44,000 full-time jobs being created in the social enterprise sector yep. through social procurement. Um what are some of the trends that you think will will take place over over the coming years, and and what should organisations who are, are really interested in improving the way they approach social procurement, what should they be doing now to to uh, you know best engage with social procurement over the coming years? Really good and and tough question for me, James. Nice one. Um, so I mean, social traders have done a really good job, and it's a credit to. Um, particularly, I guess, the Victorian government, that they, as well as the framework, they have a social enterprise strategy. So that's where the Victorian approach slightly differs from other states, although there's starting to be some similar interests, like the recognition of 
there are some amazing enterprises in this space who have been engaged in helping their um, their targeted cohorts. And often these um, social enterprises help people who are traditionally disadvantaged in the labour market, right, whether it's um, women, um, women of colour, um, whether it's disabled employees, um, Indigenous employees. These are um, groups of people who have historically been um, disadvantaged and there's the the amazing success of lots of those enterprises is lots of them have been in that space for a long time. They've been doing it for 70 plus years and they really know how to engage their cohorts and get the best outcomes uh, collaboratively. But the question you asked me was a little bit more geared towards um, perhaps what are some of the trends in this space? I think obviously it's important that those organisations are certified so that's that was a trend probably um a few years ago to make to give buyers that assurance that the money they're spending is going to the kinds of um organizations and having the kind of impact that they're hoping it has so i think that's important um the certification but i think that has improved um i i think that there's still a lot of space for organisations to continue to examine their supply chains, whether they're global or local to Australia, and think about either how they um, minimise harm or maximise some of the social value. Um, but I don't know that I've hit all of the points of your question, so just revisit with me if, if I've missed a couple. No, I think you've done a pretty good job. I uh, put a few in points in there just, you know, for the last question, I thought I'd make it a little bit more difficult for you, Warren. Thanks. <laughs> Warren, I really appreciate our time is up. I appreciate uh, you coming on and talking to us and sharing us uh, with us uh, your experience in uh, the space of social procurement. Uh, to our listeners please uh, do check out uh, the University of Melbourne School of Government website uh, for more information about their micro-credential course uh, in social procurement. And uh, we'll have more information coming up uh, in the new year about that, uh, which is exciting too. You can also follow me, James McHugh, on LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us on So What Sustainability. Yeah.